Fans and welcome to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something during its year-long Melts of Five Star project. As myself, your co-host Lorca Mullen, and my co-host with me, Simon Cross, have been watching every match that we can find that Dave Meltzer has given five stars or higher, and given our own personal assessments of them, tried to put them into some sort of historical context, and just had a, a lovely conversation until we realised we differed in opinions, and then ranted with as much fervour and animosity as if it were an Israel-Palestine meeting. Okay. That's an exaggeration slightly. Yeah. Very slightly. Yeah. <laughs> the Israeli and Palestinians never really get that heated compared to us, do they? <laughs> Please stop. Okay. All right. Uh, so, Simon, you raging anti <laughs> I didn't say what you were anti, so let's leave it at that. Uh, what, You're a turbo what are we talking about, about today? What are we talking about today? Not the West Bank. We're talking about... I hate you. <laughs> uh, we are talking about uh, the rematch to our previous episode. We are seeing once again in singles action, Kenta Kabashi versus Mitsuharu Misawa taking place on the 11th of June, 1999. When I was naught but an eight-year-old boy, and you were how old at this point, Lorcan? I would have been fifteen, you bastard. Um, watching the Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and Triple H and all of those people um, crucifying one another and all sorts of wacky shenanigans <laughs> going along. It did get a time. bit crucifying around this yeah, time. Yeah, it did. It was weird. <laughs> Uh, it was on a symbol, so that makes it okay. Um, what we're talking about, though, is not the Attitude Era. We are talking about the end of a different kind of era. As this is coming... This is the final singles match for the All Japan Triple Crown that Dave Meltzer has given the full five stars to. Masawa is the defending champion this time, having won it from Kabashi a mere eight months earlier. But as I previously recounted at the end of the previous episode... The championship belt's been going on a bit of a hot potato uh, journey at this point. Uh, Kabashi lost it to Masawa, and the, that match then, I think the very next defense Masawa had was against Kawada, who'd beaten Masawa for it before losing it to Kabashi, who then lost it to Masawa, and Kawada won it from Masawa again. But this time, Kawada had to forfeit the title due to injury, and the vacant championship was won in a tournament final, won by taken from Kabashi, who was the losing finalist, and the recently returning to Japanese wrestling, but making his return to all Japan, as opposed to his usual stomping ground of New Japan, Vader. And Vader had held on to the title until the May 1999 Tokyo Dome show, where Mitsuharu Masao was finally able to win the belt back off of the big nasty guy Jin, and was in his fifth reign, I think, at this point with the title. And, of course, Kabashi was his very first opponent for the belt. In the interim of these two matches, they have faced off once again at the 1999 Champion Carnival, and it had been Kabashi that had come out victorious that time. 
So another victory for Kabashi, his second victory over Ken- over Masawa in the Champion Carnival um, event, but still yet to win it when it was all on the line with the Triple Crown. So will this finally be the time for him with the notoriously conservative booking of one um, Giant Baba finally pull that trigger and anoint Kabashi as the true ace of all Japan? Well, uh, we'll find out. But I just want to say, in the quickest side, um, people who obviously won't be able, to, people, who, yeah, people can't see what I can see, and that was Lorcan's uh, face turn quite red, considering the amount of words he said so quickly there. And that, that's that's an athletic feat. That man looks like he has perspired to give you that knowledge, and you should be thankful. Well, it was very hot, and also I got it wrong. Vader had actually beaten Akira Tawe for the uh, triple crown in the vacant title match. Ah, a red drunk man to match your red face. Mm. And uh, Kabashi had also beaten Vader in the Champion Carnival of 1999 as well, uh, that led to this uh, collision, I believe. Or maybe that's coming up. Yeah, I've screwed that up. That's uh, slightly off. No, wait, I've got that right. Yeah, he beat, he beat him in uh, March. He won the Champion Carnival, and I guess that's what uh, earned him this first shot at Masawa as the new champ. So it's uh, when we've talked about the big rematch from a great ma- well, I thought it was a great match. You not so much. That was the first Masawa Kobashi match. I personally thought it was almost one of the, one of the closest in quality as an All Japan singles match to the Kawada um, Masawa '94 match. That's where mm. I would place it at the moment. I put it above Saruta or. Kawada Kabashi definitely above the second Kabashi uh definitely above the second Kawada Masawa match. Uh, I would give it definitely give it five stars and it will probably be in contention for my top ten for the next yeah. brief. Um but I definitely don't think that this was a step down in comparison to that match. Uh in comparison to the ninety seven five star rematch that Kawada and Kabashi uh, Kawada and Masawa had so many names. <laughs> <laughs> It's too hot. <laughs> ah, it's too hot today. Um, I really like the start of this match um, because Masawa's striking ability has been famed, obviously, throughout his career. Uh, Kabashi's felt it firsthand, as we've seen, um, most notably in the finish of the uh, match we covered in the previous episode. So it, Masao, um, Kabashi's just decided straight from uh, Jump Street a man with no arms can't hit you. So he's just gone for it. Straight really up the, the arm. This is some fantastic... Well, they, they do start off on the map first, again, like last time. And again, Kabashi is slightly stronger out of the two of them. And Masawa's really struggling to hold him down in like a submission hold quite early on in the match. Mm. Um, but yeah, at one point, Kabashi... Um, what does he do? I've got... Just looking at my notes. Oh yeah, well, one thing I did notice was that... It doesn't help because he started growing a beard. They're, this is like, um, you know, 1967 Beatles. They've decided they're going to start growing beards now. Uh, Masawa has the sort of a chin thing going on, whereas Kawada has a full beard, I guess. Kabashi's he's got a, he's he's filled in a little bit more. It's a bit like ah, uh, it's not. I guess Mike George Michael's a little bit esque. It's it's similar to both the beards that you and I uh, possess at the moment. Not necessarily. Uh, neither of us have that much in the way of Viking heritage. Let's put it that way. No. Um, you know, as you get older, it gets there all the time. I think, that, like a lot of people, I'm someone that suffers on the um, under the lip 
hair growth. It's quite lacking. Yeah. It sort of starts, you know, it doesn't start high enough on the face to really cover the whole thing. Uh, I've, my own personal beard maintenance has never been the best, even though I've mostly been bearded since I've been about 19 or 20 or so. Or at least what I could grow, I have grown. Mm. I would say in that time, so this is the past 15 years, if you were to describe what I look as clean-shaven, I think that would take no more than maybe somewhere between 100 and 200 days of that time. There's been some combination of stubble bordering on beard for me since then. How about yourself, Simon? Um, I grew it in, for what I can grow in, about, you're looking at, seven or so years ago and I've, I've stuck with it since before that i was uh, a fresh-faced clean-shaven lad um and then just decided to commit to it one day uh the annoying bit is uh it uh, i do keep it at this length otherwise it trouble is it doesn't grow straight enough before it starts to curl mine mm. um so so what do you use you use a beard trimmer yeah i just trim it down every now and again and what do you what do you like with the neck hair um, I, I just try and keep it the same length, but I try and make sure that length is always very short because if it's gets if the neck hair grows too long, then yeah, I can't grow the length to justify having long neck hair. If you see what I mean, because again, it, it just curls and it looks horrid. Yeah, I just never bothered until relatively recently. I don't, <clears throat> I don't grow it like all the way down the neck like some people do, but there is like I went in for a professional, uh, like I had a haircut and I just. Because they were like a beard people as well. I thought, you know what, just give me a beard trim as well. Just to make it look yeah. smarter. And that was just a curious thing to watch. Because I only ever use like the one setting on my beard trimmer. And it's gotten old and rusty now. So I don't really like using it. I need to invest in a new one. But it's actually quite expensive. Um, but what I, what I realised was that... Because sometimes I would shave. And for my brother's wedding, I shaved it kind of Ted DiBiase style. Where you shave all of the under of the chin. Do you know where I'm coming from? What, you bought a valet with a very like sparkly jacket with No, you? no. If you look at Ted DiBiase's beard, he kind of shaves it so that it's essentially quite short. And there's no hair under the neck, under the, yeah. under the, un, under the chin, you know, like your, your double yes. chin area. Mm. Uh, looking back at it, I shouldn't have done it like that. And then I realised that because he what you're supposed to do essentially is shave where the double chin would emerge. So hmm. it's like a line underneath. So there is hair under there, but it's just not all the way. And so that gap is not that great. But that also means I can do it in just a few minutes once a week, if I can be asked. And yeah. for the most part, I have done that since then. So it didn't. It took me until I was 35, but I finally worked it out, Simon. That's all right. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of there, but not fully. Um, I don't know. Some days I hate it. Some days I love it. It's it's really weird. What does your girlfriend very... think about it? Do you think she'd like you to go fully clean shaven? She would not. I have oh. been told in no express terms to not do it. Oh. Uh, and the times I have done it, when I like trim too close, um, it's not been well received. Because I was at an Edinburgh... <laughs> I don't want to see that much of your face. <laughs> when I was... That's what she's saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> when I... You have a lovely face. Uh... <laughs> Oh, shucks. I just keep it in a smallish box on the Skype screen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't go full screen. <laughs> well, I have you full screen, Logan, for what it's worth. Uh, you're loving every minute of it. Because um, I was once kissed by a man with a beard at uh, an Edinburgh Fringe. Actually, no, I kissed another guy with a beard once. 
uh, we were playing gay chicken, and he's actually gay, so I wasn't really going to win that. Um, but Well, if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. To be fair, he kind of pulled out at the same time, because I don't think he really thinks of me in that way. Uh. So, <laughs> you know. But uh, the, the, the comedian, it was part of a thing, and it was just very full-on, and... Uh, uh, it was a weird moment, uh, and it did make me realise why some women would probably prefer a clean face, because, you know, like, I can yeah. imagine it can cause rash and, and unpleasantness to have to be br- pressed up against that. Uh, I, I, I think what listeners... pressed up against it as well, I guess, as well. And yeah. I guess, I think our listeners should look on the internet for further um, examples of that, and, and maybe clean your internet history out afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh... So, Masara and Kobashi. <laughs> Smooth segue there. Unlike your face. <laughs> ah, but, um, Masawa and Kobashi are, like I said, like the previous one, it's got that intensity, but at a, at a, a, a respect. There's, like I said, there's not hatred, there's just desire to put it through. Although, there's ruthlessness in there. Like, Kobashi is brutal when he goes for the arm. I was about to say, I, I think there is, because one of the things I said about the first match, I think, which just didn't make me tip me over the edge, I did say there wasn't a grit to it. There's very much a grit to this due to the way that Kabashi is going after that arm. He's trying to just wrench it off of Misawa. Yeah, he, he is vicious. It's kind of like how Bret Hart works in a babyface versus babyface match, where oftentimes he'll be the aggressor. To be yeah. like the the subtle heel in that he won't cheat, but he'll push it to the limits. And like you say, Kabashi, like they jump off of the apron, don't they? Because Masawa goes for something off the apron. Oh no, Kabashi attempts an apron move. Masawa blocks it with an elbow, but Kabashi catches the arm, launches, and then does like and just sort an of arm block- breakery thing into yeah, the barrier. It's kind of like it's kind of like Jeff Jarrett's. Um, what was his finisher called? The, what, the stroke. The stroke. But instead of it being about smashing them into the f- canvas, he's taking the arm and smashing the arm into the guardrail. Yeah. And then late, and then he goes like he gets them to the corner, and he's on one side of the ring, uh, on between. So the post is between them, and he does the arm ringer and drops the arm on his shoulders a couple of times, and then drops it on the sort of the connective. Um, bar between the buckle and, yes. the, and the ring post. There's a no, there's a nice little detailed thing he does just before that, and it's immediately after he's jumped off the apron and hit Masawa's arm against the barrier. He ties up Masawa's arm and then goes for an axe kick to the back of the head, but the fact that he's tied up the arm and he sort of lands it square at the neck shoulder blade, so it's like he's trying to hyperextend that joint mm. and then smash into it. Yeah, it's just like a little bit of layers there. There's really good, like, like I remember as well when the the, the camera close does like a close up on them early in the match where where Kabashi's got him in like a wrist lock, and you can see Masawa sort of moving his hand around and his wrist and the real sort of detail that you can't really see if you're an audience member. Yeah, and it's a sign of like the intricacies and the stuff. You know, it's sort of some of the like William Regal would love to watch. I think just the the, the way that they're working there. 
They're working everything. They're, they're not just doing moves for the sake of doing moves. They yeah. do a submission hold, and they wait, and they're not doing like you know. If you look at how much energy they're exerting, some people would say, "Oh, this like is a rest hold." But what they're doing is conveying the struggle that both of them are making in order to do it, and they're doing everything on a technically proficient level as well, without making it look choreographed. That the like, like it's essentially like Kabashi's doing like a, a like they're both doing different kind of weights training, like fixed yeah. weights in a gym. Kawada's doing like a chest press, whereas uh, uh, Masawa's sort of doing like a rowing thing to try and keep yeah. the arms back, you know, or, or vice versa. I can't remember which way. I think they both do it to each other at various points. Yeah, it, it does flip round. Um, the way they keep trading wrist locks as well, it doesn't look like one of those uh, uh, where you see him indified stuff. Yeah. People so- are just making seeing how many flips and rolls they can put into a sequence to look yeah, athletic. The, the sort of Johnny Saint-inspired version of it. Mm. That's as much to show off. And it can be entertaining like a Jack Gallagher, but this actually makes it look like they're doing, you know, they're doing it to try and gain an advantage. Um, as well, like I said, Masawa, um I love, like I said, I love the counters to counters and the struggle that they have to do to put on a move. So, like, at one point, Kabashi goes for a half Nelson suplex and Misawa blocks that, but in blocking it, it leaves him open to be rolled forward by Kabashi, yeah. who then turns it into a cross arm breaker, and the crowd goes crazy for that. You know, and um, again, we have the whole popping up and, and the opponent am- anticipating the pop up essentially now. So, Misawa hits a German suplex. Masa- uh, no, Kabashi hits a German suplex. Masawa pops up. Kabashi then turn like takes the charging Masawa and takes him down with an arm drag. And Masawa rolls through on that as well and pops back up. And then Kabashi catches him again and then hits him with the um, half Nelson suplex. So there are two head drops in that whole uh, exchange. Yeah. And then gets him on another arm submission. And at some point during this period... Something happens that causes Kabashi to bleed either from the mouth or the nose. It's the nose because they wipe the blood away and later on you do see it come back out from the nose. Mm. So he gets a bloodied nose at this point. I'm not sure where either. Yeah, I wasn't sure because like like you say, he's incapacitated Masawa's arm, which means that he's unable to do like his strikes, traditional like elbows or anything like that. So I think it must have been just some sort of freak occurrence within it. He might have just been caught. But, but it also just... plays up to, like, the, the, the... Not the anger, but the intensity that Kabashi's mm-hmm. working with during this now we've, match. Now, we've had the does blood improve things conversation um, already this in this is, series. This is hard way, really. Yes, but it does improve it. In so I far feel. as it makes it look like they're, they're definitely wrestling snug. Yes. Fair to say. Yeah. Yeah, it just adds something to it. And sometimes in wrestling, you do have to take something that's occurred within a match that's not planned and roll with it. Oh, and, yeah, they work with it. I think Kabashi yeah. kind of, like he says, it's the sight of his blood, he reacts to it with the anger. Visible. Yeah. And so it does accentuate it. But I don't think it would have been a better match with it because it comes so early and it's not really mm. visible by the end of the match. Well, no, because they wipe it away. But mm. what I like about the fact that they wipe it away is when it comes back, and it doesn't come back straight away either. Uh, I think the, the tide holds in his nose for a little bit. Mm. But you see it about five, ten minutes later. Mm. He's got the blood pouring down again. And that just reminds you, oh, he's gone through that and he's mm. going that's still there so that's it becomes an unintentional callback yes yes it 
Um, and obviously, I don't think they intended that at all, but mm. it works. Just roll with things, you know? So, yeah, uh, Kabashi continues to work on um, Misawa's arm and his neck as well, and they fight over... A, and then they start fighting over a vertical suplex on the apron. Yeah. And and it looks like Kabashi's going to suplex Misawa to the outside, which is always a freaky-looking spot. It's hard to make work. And Misawa, like I said, he's old, he looks old, and he looks broken down up to uh, in many ways at this point, but he's still got this freaky agility and balance that he goes through and lands on his feet. I mean, that's a higher dismount than like when The Undertaker, you know, everyone loves it when he sort of gets clotheslined or backflips himself over the ropes. Yeah. Like, there's no ropes to really support Masao in that moment. He's falling like 10, 12 feet straight, lands perfectly on his feet, and then hits Kabashi, or attempts to hit Kabashi with a, with a back suplex off the apron. Yeah, he hits him with yes. a back suplex off the apron. No, he's... Uh, well, there's... As an athlete, he is insane. Mm. And I just... It, there's very few people you can unplug from 20 plus years ago, plug them into now, and they would, A, be able to hang with the increased um, athleticism and flippiness uh, that we have now, and B, would have, have the aura that transcends eras. He's one of them. He was that total package within what's required for Japanese wrestling. And again, I know I keep comparing him to Bret Hart, but it's like how Bret Hart could wrestle, but he could brawl. He could work face, he could work subtle heel, he could work heel. Yeah. And well, Misawa, Bret, well, for Bret... what Misawa has to do, he can fly off the top rope if he has to. He does like frog splashes and topes. He can mat wrestle if he has to, like he does with Kabashi at the start of this. And he can have the Japanese equivalent of a brawl, which is just like these really hard strike exchanges with Kawada and everyone. He can he can well, take Brett... bumps, he can make guys look good, he can work with anyone of any size, really, because he's big, but he's not too big. Well, you often, um, in previous conversations we've had on Let Me Tell You Something, have cited Brett's performance at King of the Ring. Is it 92? No, the one Wait... King of the Ring in 92. Which one is it where he goes through the three different types of match? That's the one. So he has uh, sort of a David and well, he has a different type of David and Goliath match with with Razor Ramon. Then he has a technical match face versus face with Kurt Hennig, where Hennig plays the subtle heel, but Brett is also a bit underhanded at moments as well in that. And then he has a proper David and Goliath match with like a Bam Bam Bigelow in a different kind of environment. But yeah, yeah, because yeah, if I was to pick Western equivalents, um, Brett would be one. Uh, Ric Flair, late 80s, early 90s Ric Flair, because obviously we've seen so much for like so long. Babyface Ric Flair working against a Terry Funk or um, or, or sort of semi-babyface Ric Flair against Ricky Steamboat at Wrestle War 89. The second one. Mm. Um, and, Sh- well, Shawn Michaels kind of did do it. He did go span eras, but he had that big gap in the middle. Um but Shawn Michaels is a is a show-off exhibitionist that yeah. will go over the top. There's nothing, except for maybe the pop-up cells, no selling. And that's just endemic in the culture and kind of works. It doesn't go to ridiculous extremes like it would later on. Yeah. You know, it's just delayed selling. But outside of that, Masao is not showy. You know, Masao is not going to dance to Sexy Boy or, but or, what or, my, do, my... or do like a Hulk Hogan, you know get hit with a clothesline and go spinning yeah. around. My, so. my point is, in ring, you could have plugged... Sure, you pl- Sean did plug himself into whatever era yeah. he was in. Yeah. Like, he's he's the one out of the four 
that did do that. Mm. But the other three easily could have. Yeah. Uh, so after that, Masawa loving, and that's what's funny. I was watching just the rest of this match now when Masawa's in control, and you do realize he does not throw an elbow for ages. Mm. Everything that he's hitting him with are like it's a missile drop. He's having to like rely on his agility more because the striking element is taken out. And when he tries to power him up for some for for big moves like power bombs and tiger drivers, it's really hurting him. And he sells the arm as like a, an issue for him. It takes it takes a while for him to snap those off because he is straining to pick um, Kabashi up, isn't he? Yeah, and of course Kabashi is fighting it with every inch of his strength, as is the way with these all Japan. The way that they work those moves, um, uh, yeah. So like he hits him with a tope because, like I said, he like th- that's the great thing that they do in these matches when someone's been dominated for a while. When they get back, and you know we saw this with like uh, the, some of the Joshi matches as well. They know they've got a brief opening. They've just got to hit them with as much as they can immediately. So Kabashi's been dominating things for like 10, 15 minutes. Misawa is wounded. He's lost maybe his key weaponry. Has gone out of his arsenal. So he has to go and hit quick. So he hits the back suplex, follows it up with a tope, follows that up with a missile drop kick and a frog splash. Uh, whilst clutch, and I noticed when he went for the pin with the frog splash, he's like clutching at his arm because he can't, and that means he can't put the full effort into the pin. He can't either. fully hook it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, K- uh, Kabashi is blocking attempted a tiger driver, and so. Uh, uh, and he backdrops out of it, but Masawa keeps on it, and then whilst holding him in the butterfly lock for the um, uh, Tiger Driver, he's hitting him with knees in the stomach to try and weaken him so that he can mm. do it, lifts him up, and his arm gives out. So he hits it, but he doesn't hit it perfectly. Fully. Yeah. So again, he's looking for desperation, so he knows what, what you got to do. Get on that apron and tries to do the Tiger Driver off the apron that really turn the tide in the previous match. Yeah. And Kabashi is prepared for it um, and backdrops out of it. Masawa blocks an attempted a half, half Nelson suplex on the outside. Tries yeah. Tries to whip Kabashi into the court. Tries to whip... Again, it's counters to counters to counters. Kabashi reverses the whip into the barricade. Masawa sees it coming, puts the brakes on, charges at Kabashi. Kabashi sees that coming and turns that into a half Nelson suplex and gets to hit his big move on the outside. But it's not off the apron, so it's, you know. Uh, and again, it's just trading off counters for counters. Mas- uh, Kabashi tries to suplex, vertical suplex Masawa back into the ring. Masawa lands on his feet like he'd done to the outside. Goes to the German suplex like he'd gone for the back suplex. But Kabashi does the standing switch and hits a German suplex for a two counts. Um, yeah, he goes for a, a power bomb. A uh, power bomb into a. He, he, he goes for the second power bomb, but can't quite do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. But he sort of makes the most of the momentum by snapping Masawa off the ropes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes like he falls back, doesn't he? And it like uh, yeah, flat back uh, neck drop. Hits his orange crush, which is kind of like his second tier finisher. Mm. All the different finishes. It's like moon salt, orange crush, standing lariat, and then murder, death, kill, burning hammer. Yeah. Um. Then he hits his moonsault, another tiered finisher, and that doesn't quite finish it off. And then the fight starts over the burning hammer. He yeah, he's got him up in the on. corner. He lays him up in the corner like he does. And what do we get, Simon? We get a callback to a match from, what, five years ago? Mm. What do we see? We, uh, let's see, he's got him up in the corner. And, uh, da 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 Suddenly, it is Masawa who is Kabashi, and Kabashi is 
Stan Hansen. They already lariats him in the and back of the head. Lariats him off the top rope, which was the move that won yeah. the match for Hansen. That's the badge, yeah. I knew I'd seen that somewhere. I, I couldn't make the connection at the time, but it, I, I did. It had a feel to it. Um, so that's I referencing love... a match from six years ago. I love that. I love little like layered details. And Kabash uh, goes for the pin, and all Masawa can do to survive is put his foot on the rope. Yeah, and then um. He rolls out after that, and then Misawa manages to hurricanra Kenta into the um, Kenta Kabashi into the barrier. Yeah, so it's just like bomb reversal thing. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but that's it. It's, it's another counter on counter situation. Yeah. And so at this point, they've just got no energy. Like they're having to recharge again. And like I said, like the double down. It takes them both about a minute to get back into the ring. Another great yeah. example of that, of course, being when Kawada and Masawa in our favourite match so far just eye each other up. I think one of them's on the apron and one of them's in the ring, and it's just, uh, okay, let's go. We've got one last go. And it's like, yeah. we've we got to be hitting the finishing straight. Because that's funny, because it's Masawa that hits the previous move, but it's Kabashi that is the first one to attack when they go into the ring and uh, charges him with a knee. Um, but then Masawa ducks a lariat and hits a German suplex, but Kabashi pops up. Um, but Masawa blocks a lariat and uh, by hitting K- K- Kabashi in the arm. Kabashi yep. blocks a tiger driver, so then Masawa hits him with a tiger suplex. But it's like it's obvious that now the elbow is starting to... Because K- Kabashi hasn't really targeted it for 20 minutes or so. Yeah. So it's you know it can it's starting to creep back into because he's, he's getting a little bit back into he's it. He's used his arm to block Kabashi's clothesline, and now it's Kabashi's arm that's seeing a bit of pain. Yeah. And then what does Masawa do? Hits a running elbow, and finally hits the Tiger Driver ninety one, the head drop Tiger Driver, driver. the one that won it for him against Kawada in that ninety four match. Kabashi kicks out at two point nine. So, but Masawa's got the elbow back in, but maybe he's a bit too earnest with that. Kawadi, uh, Kabashi ducks the elbow and hits a half Nelson suplex. Another head drop follows that up with a lariat for another long, long two counts. It looks like maybe he's got one. If he can hit one more of these lariats, is sort of second line finisher that have won him the title yeah. against Kawada. Uh, previously, he was winning most of his matches. Like he only uses the burning hammer like eight times in his entire career. Um, um, basically most of the time to kill off Masao, but he can beat him in other ways, probably, if he hits the right lariats. Yeah. Um, but um, Masao's able to elbow out two of them and then hits his roaring elbow that won him, really helped him win the match previously. Uh, spinning cannonball and a capture suplex. I can't quite understand, I don't quite know how to describe it. It's kind of like a high-angled German suplex. Yes. Like a, like a higher up the, 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 the body... German suplex, but not like captured in a in a, um, a a tiger suplex. It's sort of in between the two. Mm. That gets two another long, long two count, and then it's just a trade off. Kabashi's hitting chops, Masawa's hitting elbows, and then Masawa catches him with his murder death kill finisher, the Emerald Flosion. It's a beautiful move, isn't it? It's like an angled power slam into a tombstone, I suppose. Yeah, like a sideways tombstone. Like an inverted, well, it's, it's got a bit of a white noise to it, but you're going from the front, not wrapped round you. And again, Masawa gets the three count. But like I said, all it feels like is prolonging the inevitable. Yes. Masawa Kibashi, has survived Kabashi. Yeah. yeah. 
Kabashi ha- has more left, I think, in the future. It's just where in that future is. And and maybe maybe still Baba's been a bit too conservative. And of course, very soon, uh, Giant Baba would die uh, this year. Actually, no, it's already been. Baba has died at this point. Because uh, the, the May Tokyo Dome match was it, Tokyo Dome show was in tribute to Baba. So this is fairly recently after Baba's death. Um, so it's obvious that Masao, I think Masao was in charge of things, so I guess Masao booked it for him to win this match. But I'll, I'll, be, I'll straight out, this is the last time Masao was able to claim a victory over Kabashi in the ring. Yeah. I know that's preempting our next episode, but, you know. Hey ho. Not our next episode, but the episode after that. Um, so Simon, you didn't quite give the previous Masawa Kobashi match five stars. Have you gone a bit higher this time? I have. I am giving this the full five stars. I am also giving this the five stars, but I also think it's a case where it's the lower, it's, I would rank the previous match above this match. I think it didn't cut corners like the second Kobashi, um, the second Kawada Masawa match did. And that you could argue that the arm work was better, deeper psychology, but I just felt more excitement watching the first one than I did this one. But still, it's five stars, but like the Shawn Michaels Undertaker Hell in a Cell match, it's a five star that I don't know that it will be in yeah. intention to get into my top ten yet. Okay. In, in a couple of episodes' time. I don't know That's... yet, so I'll have to reappraise. Yeah. That's respectful. Instincts lie. <clears throat> I think that it literally to, between the two of us, it's just that we have personal preference. One, you prefer the first one more. I prefer the second one more, and I think that's that's what tipped us over the edge. Because, but I, I gave both have, five stars, whereas you only gave this one five stars. Yes, but you spoke more highly of the first one mm. than the second one, and obviously, I think you, I, without wanting to preempt you, I do think number one sits higher than number two in your like internal ranking. Well, I just said that, so yeah. There you are. <laughs> See, I don't want to preempt you because I don't have to. You've said it. <laughs> so that was our last five-star match to involve the Triple Crown. I'm just looking how many of those matches there were in this. Six, to be fair, not that many. Only six Triple Crown matches were in our were given the five stars from uh, from Meltzer. Meltzer was always more of a tag man, tag league. Um, yeah, tag leagues really. Like Misawa has twenty four tag leagues or Gaijin. Misawa has twenty four uh, tag leagues. Yeah, tag no, no, no. There's I'm, a few, no, there's a few Gaijin. It's a few Gaijin, in, but it's mostly face. involving the Holy Demon Army. And so some are for the yeah. tag titles, some are for the. Actually, that's thought. Okay, so let's filter this out so it's for the tra- tag team titles instead. So the ones that are for the World Tag Team Title, we have six matches for the World Tag Team Title. And for the strongest league, um, if I've got that, I might not have included that in my... Um... Oh yeah, real world, yeah. And five of them were for the tag league, so, you know, it's pretty much almost evenly split there. Uh, so, they, you know, they reserve it for the big events, <laughs> for <laughs> the most part. So, it, it really, like, from the first one of, of Saruta and Tenru sort of laying that groundwork of... This is the elite level. This is them pushing themselves to a physical limit that they can only do a few times a year. Yeah. Um, I thought it did, you know, they always, all of these matches always seemed so important. And yes. so And, and epic, you know, uh, like the, these two uh, matches have been um, both over 40 minutes, I think. Um, oh, no, it's close to that, I think. 
if not just over mm. so yeah it's, it's it's crazy and it's to be fair in recent years under especially under the 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 uh, current all japan ace of kento miyahara um the, the triple crown title matches have been creeping up in the star ratings and and Meltzer going and watch like Meltzer recently was talking about how you can make the case that Kento Miyahara is the best wrestler in the world working mm. right now, and he has given some triple crown matches in recent week uh, recent years like four and a half, four and three quarters. So there's no reason to think to not think either by the end of this year project or I think like if we keep going on into 2020, I think every time Meltzer adds a five star. Then maybe we'll sort of do an emergency podcast where we discuss yeah. the latest, and that'll be interesting to look at it from a more, you know, contemporary, contemporary, not knowing what the future holds necessarily. Yeah, um, that might be an interesting way that we do it from twenty twenty onwards. Yeah, because it's it's weird to think we've gone through so much and we've not even got into our current century yet. Um, yeah, there are only one more match left. That's true. And then we like pretty much like race through a decade. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that when we have to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just at this time, I think you could definitely make the case of the Triple Crown, as far as like a, a barometer for match quality, was the most prestigious title in wrestling in the same way that you would argue that the IWGP heavyweight title is the most prestigious title now, in the, the mm. notion that as if, if a champion is the best wrestler in the world. You know, in the seventies and, and up to the eighties, that was the NWA World Title. I think yeah. the Triple Crown kind of took that mantle in the nineties, and no one really held it definitively in the two thousands. Mm, well, obviously, if you're the WWE champion, you're the most high-profile figure. But yeah. not you know, and it's not to say that there aren't periods where you could argue the best wrestler in the world was the person that was holding the title. Especially since by 2000, All Japan's not having these five-star matches, and the guy that is having a lot of great matches in 2000 is Triple H. Mm. Um, so maybe you could have made the case that Triple H was the best wrestler in the world in 2000, and he was also a, frequently the world champion at that time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when when we talk about our debrief, we're, we're talking about all sorts of alternative five-stars, and there's a lot to be discussed, so maybe one of them will be a, tri- a Triple H match. But going back to the Triple Crown... Uh, all Japan then fracturing and, and Noah being created. And I guess the GHC champion again could make the case was the best wrestler in the world at various points as well, especially when Kabashi held it. But maybe we'll save that for a later discussion. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, Simon, to talk more about the Triple Crowns of any kind of uh, way, shape or form, be it wrestling, North America, Japan or um, rugby union or what have you, how can <laughs> they do so? Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm shown as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of times in this match I thought Masawa's shoulder was going to get dislocated. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for apron bump, N for neck drop. That's my Twitter handle. That's my Instagram account. That's my Facebook account, uh, Letterboxed. If you want to find me and email me, that's uh, adding at gmail.com at the end of Lorcan Mullen, and that's my email address. If you want to get in touch with the show, that's L-M-T-Y-S. That's Let Me Tell You Something in an acronym form. Uh, not an anachronistic form, in an acronym form. Uh, the, that's also our Twitter account. Is it L-M-T-Y-S or L-M-T-Y-S pod? It's L-M-T-Y-S pod. At Twitter and at gmail.com lmtyspod at gmail.com 
Um, our next episode is the final match that was given five stars. Maybe until recently, we don't know yet. Uh, in, in, the, in the near future, it might be that there is another one to be added to that that takes place in an All Japan ring. And it is a tag team match for the All Japan World Tag Team Titles as Mitsuharu Masawa's latest prodigy, Yoshinari Ogawa, teams up with him to defend their World Tag Team Titles against the two main top guys from the Burning Faction stable of All Japan and Misawa's two previous partners and protégés, Kenta Kabashi again, and now, staring on the opposite side of Mitsuhara Misawa's uh, ring, Jun Akiyama. So that's what we have to look forward to next. But until then, my name's Lorca Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time until the next time. <laughs>